This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. It's wide awake. Man, I think that all the wonderful weather's had something to do with that. Hopefully you've just been enjoying this uh, celebration of this July 4th weekend. Um, hopefully you don't have to work tomorrow and you can have a day off and uh, enjoy some time with friends and family. Um, I just think that uh, it's just been absolutely wonderful and hopefully you'll be able to enjoy the day also. Um, don't forget after uh, service that we are uh, having a presence at Ductona this year with our Haiti mission team. They're doing a fruit stand fundraiser. We've done that every year for the past couple of years and it's always been highly successful. There's so many wonderfully unhealthy, delicious things at Ductona. Um, that are really great, and we want you to enjoy those things too, but Word of Grace thought it would provide a healthy alternative for those looking for maybe something a little different, not so heavy, and so we came up with the fruit stand idea a few years back and have been running that ever since every year at Ductona, and all of the proceeds are going to go to support the Haiti mission team. So go enjoy Ductona, go look at some cool cars and boats and motorcycles and things like that, and then uh, go grab some fruit and say hi to our mission team and let them know that you're supporting them. Um, they got some real cool stuff over there, so I wanted to make mention of that. Also, before I get into my message this morning, I wanted to mention to you that today is the first of the uh, first Sunday of the month, and so what that means at Word of Grace is every first Sunday of the month, we always do two things. One, we always receive communion at the end of service, so if you're not a member here at Word of Grace, um, we uh, don't have any type of rule about communion, so if you're new here, first time visiting, perhaps you're out of town visiting family and you decide to come to church, or you're just checking us out, you can fully participate in communion with us here at Word of Grace. Um, the only thing we ask is that you be a believer in Jesus Christ. And uh, if, if you haven't made that decision yet, we hope you do that today. Um, but if you're not quite at the place where you're ready to do that, just politely decline. We won't judge you or think poorly of you. And we also have gluten-free uh, wafers available. We'll do that at the end of service when I'm finished with my message. And then also, today at 12.30, I also do the Next Move class, which if you don't know what the Next Move class is, it's our membership class. So if you're interested in membership or if you're just interested in finding out more about the church, this is really a good opportunity to hear from me. I teach the class and I share with you a little bit about what's happening at Word of Grace, what has happened at Word of Grace, and where we're going also. And it's a great time to get your questions answered. And uh, we do provide just a light lunch there and child care. So if you'd like to come to the next move, that'll be today at 1230. See, after the service, you go get you some fruit. And then you go get you some kettle corn, and then you pop back over. That's all you got to do. It's be a great day, man. Uh, be all refreshed and jazzed up. So if you would like to be a part of that, you can sign up at guest services, um, or you can just show up. That'd be fine, too. Um, we always have uh, more than enough there. So if you want to come, that's 1230 today. And just make note, those two things always happen the first Sunday of every month. So if perhaps you're interested but not yet, you can check that out another month too. So let's go to the Lord in prayer before we get into the Word. Father, we thank you so much for the freedom that we have as a nation, and more importantly, we thank you for the freedom that we have in Christ. We pray that today, that as we celebrate our freedom, that we will hear your Word spoken with clarity and with authority and with anointing that will just penetrate the very depths of who we are. It will break up even the hardest of hearts. It will even help us to see clearly, Lord, perhaps where we've had issues before or where we've had roadblocks or where the enemy has convinced us of a lie. I pray in Jesus' name that those things will be lifted today. I pray that by the power of your word that you stir faith in people, that we will see hope made alive again in our hearts and that we will be able to be the people you've created us to be, glorifying you and trusting in you all the more as we get to know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we kicked off a brand new series called Christ the Healer. And the title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes in that series, is called The Role of Faith. You can also follow along on Uversion if you have your mobile device with you. You can just jump on our internet and you can connect to Uversion and find that live event in your area, and you'll be able to follow along in my notes and have a copy of that, as well as make notes of your own. But last week, to kick off the series, we went through Scripture to really sharpen and identify 
God's desire for us to walk in healing and health based off of God's original intention in creation. So we saw that that was God's original intent for us and that sickness and disease was a result of the fall of man. We also know that we will ultimately walk in perfect health when we're in heaven when all things are made new, where the Bible says in Revelation 21 that he's going to wipe every tear from our eye. There's going to be no more sickness. There's going to be no more disease. There's going to be no more death. We also talked about how through the atoning work of Jesus Christ on the cross, that there is provision made for us here on earth because of what Jesus did to experience healing as well. Today we're going to see the role of faith concerning healing in the life of a believer because that does have something to do with it, because faith does matter. And I want you to write that down. Faith matters. Amen, somebody? You know, as much as we try to get around it, and we can try really hard, to get around this issue of faith, it still makes a difference. It still moves the hand of God. You know that your good deeds don't move the hand of God. You know how good you are, nice you are, how polite you are doesn't move the hand of God. How much money you give, how uh, well you try to do, it doesn't move the hand of God. But we see constantly over and over again the one thing that consistently moves God that makes Him intervene in situations supernaturally is always, always, always faith amen Amen. because faith matters it matters we can't get around it i grew up in a belief of how faith mattered uh and 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 they coupled it with also trying to make it a faith plus this works thing to where we tried to earn something from god or put god in our debt but god's just saying will you just trust me not will you trust me and then also try to put me in your debt will you just trust me will you take me at my word Do you have somebody in your life that if they say something, you can take that thing to the bank because you know they're good for it? I mean, do you have somebody that if they say they're going to show up at 10 o'clock, they're going to be there at 10 o'clock or maybe 9.45, that they're not going to be there at 10.01, you know, but you have those friends too, right? Or maybe you are that friend. (laughs) But you have those friends in your life that you know, you have those people in your life that you know, man, if they say it, uh, it's, it's going to be done. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to wrestle with, is this going to happen or not happen? You know it's going to happen because you can trust them and take them at their word. That's the same thing with faith because when God speaks something, when God has said something, when He has established something, He wants us to trust Him and take Him at His word. Amen? We can't get away from it because it does matter. Go to Matthew chapter 9. We can look. We're going to look at quite a few verses today. So if you want to try to keep up, go ahead. Um, but just write them down if, uh, if you don't want to keep up this morning. Matthew 9, we're going to look at verse 20. We're going to look at quite a few different verses here. Matthew 9 and 20 says, Behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. Now this is talking about Jesus. He's walking through the town, and a woman hears that Jesus is in town, and she hears that he has been healing people, and her faith is stirred, and it makes her move out of her comfort zone. It makes her move outside of her house to want to go and to reach out to this person that she has heard has been healing people. And so she said to herself, if I could only touch the hem of his garment, if I could just grab that, that, that edge of his clothes, I don't have to even get his attention. I, just, I believe if I just grab a hold of the hem of his garment that I'm going to be made whole. The Bible says in verse 21, for, if she said, for she said to herself, if I only touch his garment, I'll be made whole. Jesus turned to her and said, take heart, daughter, Your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. Now, did Jesus have magic clothes, yes or no? No, Jesus did not have magic clothes. There's nothing in Scripture that said Jesus would have magic clothes, touch his clothes, and everything's going to be made well. But what we do see here is that this woman reached out at the point of her faith and trusted and believed because she knew that he was good and she knew that he was a healer and she knew that if she could get a hold of the one who was healing people that she would experience that healing power and she said if i can only grab a hold of that and jesus said your faith has made you well flip over just a few more pages to matthew 17 let's look at verse 14 matthew 17 and verse 14 we're going to read through verse 20 here starting in verse 14 and when they and when they came to the crowd a man came up to jesus and knelt before him and said lord have mercy on my son he is an epileptic uh, epileptic 
and he suffers terribly, for often he falls into the fire and often into water. And I brought him to your disciples, and they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out instantly, and the boy was healed. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? He said to them, Because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Jesus was saying, Listen, It's because you truly didn't believe. It's because you didn't have that faith. Now let's go over to Mark chapter 10. Look at another instance here. Mark 10 and verse 52. Mark 10 and verse 52. This is a story about Jesus healing a blind man. The blind man said to Jesus, let me recover my sight. Verse 52, he said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well, and immediately he recovered his sight and followed them on the way. Now, let's flip over to James, the book of James, in the fifth chapter. Are you noticing a theme here? Are you noticing a pattern here? James chapter 5 and verse 14. Actually, let's read verse 13. James 5 and 13 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. He said, listen, the prayer of faith is healing the sick. Over and over again, we see that faith is causing God to move supernaturally. Because if you look at the way we're created, it's actually pretty cool. Because our bodies naturally heal on their own in certain instances, right? The older we get, we see that process slowing down, right? I mean, we just kind of see that happening. Some people are feeling that a little bit more than me, but even at my age, I still feel that a little bit. I'm like, man, I used to just spring up right after, you know, I would have this injury. I was up here at the church for a board meeting, and I had on boots, right? I mean, like motorcycle boots, like thick leather boots. And our board meeting was over, and I was going to turn off the lights in the church. And I went in the little room where all the switches are, turned off the lights. And then I go to walk out of this room, and I bump into a ladder. And it kind of hurt a little bit, hit my shin. And I was like, oh, ow, it kind of hurt. I kind of was limping a little bit, but I was like, suck it up. You'll be all right, right? Suck it up, buttercup. Let's go. And so I'm walking, and I'm like, okay, it's getting better as the day goes along. And, but I didn't take my boot off to check it because I just thought, It's a little bump, right? So I go throughout my whole day. Then that night, I take the boots off, and there's this massive gash in my leg that had been bleeding, and it was huge. And I was like, oh, it's no big deal. I'll just put a little alcohol on it, a little Neosporin, na-na-na, Neo, a little Band-Aid, and I'll be good. Well, five weeks later, the thing still hadn't healed up the way that it was supposed to, and I started getting worried. What's going on? My body's not healing as fast as it used to. Normally, I get a scrape or a bruise or a gash or something, and just just bounce right back. Or, but I had this bruise, and it started hurting more. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? But still, even so, God created all of our scrapes and our bruises and different things. He created a natural system in our body to heal itself to where our body is actually actively working to repair something. You've all been sick before. You've all been injured at some level before. But for the most part, we have seen recovery in those areas. I mean, you remember when you were a kid, you fell off your bike? You don't still have an open wound from a bike bike accident that you had when you were a child. No, you may have scars from those things, but they're still healing there because God created our bodies to heal naturally. Now, sometimes God intervenes supernaturally and he'll speed up that process or something that was there is no longer there and he just does an absolute miracle and we see that god has done that all throughout scripture and we believe that as we see in scripture that there's no evidence of god shutting that process down that god still wants us to experience healing here in the earth and i see all throughout scripture and i can't get away from it 
how faith is directly tied oftentimes to God moving. But there is a difference between faith and hope. There's a difference. Most people, when they pray, they're not praying in faith. Most of the time when we pray, we pray wishful prayers of kind of we hope God does this. We don't pray with the level of confidence of truly having faith. It's almost like giving God our Santa Claus Merry Christmas list, right? This is what I hope I get. This is what I hope happens. And it's more like hoping I win the lottery or it's hoping that something good happens to me today. And it's not a confidence. It's not a true trust. It's just kind of hoping. You remember the friend we talked about earlier that hopefully you are? The one that gets places on time? You know, you don't hope that person is going to get there if they have been faithful to be on time before, do you? You don't go, eh, maybe they're going to do it. I'm really nervous. I really hope they do. No, you're confident that they're going to do it, right? And you rest in that. You're not freaking out, wondering if they're late. Unless you're still trying to like pick up your house or something before they get there and you kind of hope they're late. <laughs> but you know they're not going to be, so you better book it double time because they're never late. And they're faithful. And because of their faithfulness and because of their track record and because of the trust that you have with them, you have confidence in them. That's different than hope. Faith and hope are different. Now, faith and hope work together, but they are separate, and you need to understand that and need to see that. So go ahead and flip over to Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll look at what I believe the Apostle Paul wrote Hebrews is what I believe, although it's not clear, but I believe that the Apostle Paul here is explaining to us faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, in verse 1, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. The Bible here clearly separates faith and hope. It says now faith is that assurance or that substance, if you have King James or New King James. It's that substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. So faith takes hope a step further. And it's not that hope that moves the hand of God, but rather it is that faith, it is that confidence knowing that He's going to do what He said He's going to do. And if I truly have faith, then I can rest. If I have faith, I can rest. It's the same thing with our salvation. This stuff works the same way. Because how do you know that you're a Christian? How do you know that you've been forgiven of your sins. Did you get like something in the mail? <laughs> Did you get something that you opened up that was like the Willy Wonka golden ticket? Congratulations! Your sins have been forgiven. But do you believe your sins are forgiven? Do you believe that? Yes. You better believe that. Because of what? Because of what Jesus did, and you have confidence that what he did has put you into that position of being forgiven. Now, do you still sin even though you are forgiven of sin? Yeah, we all do. So we still need to walk in forgiveness because we have not yet been made perfect, and we're not experiencing that that is perfect. We haven't seen him face to face, as the Bible says, that everything will be made new as we, when we'll be like him, when we see him face to face. So right now, there's still a conflict. So yes, I am forgiven, but I'm also being forgiven also. And I will eventually see the full culmination of that forgiveness when there's no more sin at all. 
And it's the same thing with our healing because they both operate by faith. They both operate in that same area that God created, that he chose, this is how things are going to work with me, by faith. So we are healed by the stripes of Jesus. We are healed because of what he did on the cross. And, but we still struggle. There's still things in this earth that still come against our physical bodies, but there are also times in our lives where he will also physically heal us. But we're not going to be made perfect because we're going to eventually die if he doesn't come back before we pass away. But I'm not scared about that. For the same reason, I'm not scared about the fact that I know I'm going to be in heaven when I die because of faith. You see, the same confidence I have that I'm going to be in heaven when I die should be the same confidence that I'm going to be completely healed and that's going to be completely manifested in my body when I see him face to face. It's the same confidence. And that's the same confidence that I should walk in here on this earth trusting in him. Because I am forgiven, I am saved, and he also paid for my healing as well. So I can ask him for those things. I can trust him for those things. And I know that it doesn't always happen when and how and where we want it to happen. I know that. I know that those things don't always manifest the way we want them to. And we're going to talk about that next week in depth. But at the same time, I can still know that my healing has been paid for and that I can trust him to do a miracle in my body even now here on this earth, whether I see it on this side of heaven or when I see him face to face. Amen? Amen. You see, there's a difference between faith and hope because we know faith is the confidence, the substance of hope, and that's fueled by a relationship with God. That's the, that's the whole foundational piece. It's fueled by a relationship with God. Because if I don't have a relationship with God, how am I going to trust somebody I don't know? If you don't know me really well, and I tell you I'm going to be somewhere at a certain time, do you really know that I'm going to be there? Do you know, I mean, you're hoping that I'm a person of my word, right? But you don't know. As to where someone who's spent time with me, they know whether I'm going to be there on time or not. And I'm not going to tell you which one it is. But they know. Someone who has spent that time, who has that relationship. And the more you spend in that relationship with God, the more you develop trust. The more you develop trust, the more your confidence in God begins to build. That's why Romans 10 and 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That our faith can actually grow. Yes, we each have a measure of faith. And that measure that we've all been given has enabled us to trust in that saving power of Christ. But from that point on, we need to grow in our faith. Amen? And growing in faith, we need to reset our idea. Because I know a lot of people have this idea of that word faith. We think faith just simply means this is the system of belief that I choose to walk in. In other words, my faith is a Christian. Or my faith is a Muslim. Or my faith is a Buddhist. And that's what some people think when they hear the word faith faith. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about what label you attach to your life. I'm talking about a deep, deep trust between you and God. And that needs to grow. That needs to be built. Not just your confidence in Christianity, but your confidence in Christ. Amen? Not just the fact that you grow in faith because you know all about Christianity. You grow in faith when you know who He is, not just knowing about Him, right? You want to know Him for who He is because that's going to build trust in Him. I've used this example many times before, but I'm going to use it again because it's a good one. But a lot of people who really you know, are just fanatics about sports, we'll use the Packers or whatever, they can know everything about Aaron Rodgers. They can know everything about him. They can follow his college career. They can read his biography. They can know everything about him. They can know his favorite food because for some reason, all that information is available to us. For some reason, we make information available to the public of what we ate last night. That's just the world we live in. We take pictures of it, and so do celebrities, and so do sports icons, and they put those things up there, and you can know everything about it. You can know what he likes to eat. You can know who he's dating, 
And you can have your opinion on how who he's dating affects his performance on the field. You can know everything about the history of Lambeau. You can go and you can give a tour better than the tour guide. But if you were to walk up to Aaron Rodgers on the street and start telling him all about his life, he would go, security, security. It'd freak him out if you came up to him and you started just rattling off all these facts that you knew. Because you don't really know him, right? As, as, as great of a person as you probably think he is, would you trust your children with him? Some of you, absolutely, if it'll get me an autograph. <laughs> but if you love your children, no. You don't know him. It would freak them out too. So you can read the Bible. You can go to church. You can pray. And if you're not doing it to know God, you're just learning a lot of good facts about God. You understand what I'm saying this morning? If I just know a lot of facts about somebody, that's not relationship. That's not trust. That's not building that foundation of faith. That's not helping my faith to grow. It's just helping me to know a lot more stuff about a certain subject or a certain person. But for me to know the person, I have to spend time with them. I have to want to know their heart and get close to them and be vulnerable with them. And I know God through talking to Him and through His Word, but it's the way I approach His Word. And if I truly want to grow in my faith, and faith truly comes by hearing the Word of God, then I need to spend time with the very heart of God and say, God, I don't want to just read the Scripture to check it off of my list of to-dos today. I don't just want to read the Scripture because I'm trying to be a good boy or a good girl, and I'm trying to get brownie points in heaven. But when I spend time with you, it's because I want to know your heart and know you more. I know that when my wife and I dated, man, we wrote letters like nobody's business. We just had to recently start that back up, just a little thing just to, you know, keep the, keep the love growing because you shouldn't stop just because you get married. Amen? Amen? Amen. 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 And we started writing each other notes and things again, and we have a little board with a little clip on it outside our bedroom, and we'll leave those things as we for each other. It's just a cool thing. But when we were dating, man, we wrote like crazy because my wife was in college when we got married, and she went to college like an hour away from where we lived. And so she had a long commute, and so she'd spend the whole day there, even if her classes weren't back-to-back, just because it was so far away. And so she would be at a restaurant eating lunch or doing homework, and then when she'd finish and she was just sitting there, it was before we had smartphones and you could, you know, play on Facebook and all that stuff because we got married 15 years ago, and we could barely text. I don't even think texting was out at that point. So she would handwrite all of these letters, and I kept all of her letters, and she kept all of mine. And sometimes we'll pull those things out and we'll read over those things. And I remember as a teenager just pouring over that letter, over and over reading that letter. Just reading the letter, man, over and over again. Why? Because she was opening her heart to me. And I was getting to know her more through reading her heart for me. And it's the same thing with God and His Word. As we look at Scripture, we can see the very heart of God as a love letter that we can actually see the very nature and the very heart of God and how He loves us, how He cares for us. Not only by things that are said directly to us as the reader, but things that he said to other people, because God's not a respecter of persons, he's going to love them just like he loves you. Amen? And you can go, wow, this is how God cares for people. So this is how God cares for me. And as I get to know him, and as I read his word, my faith grows. As I talk to him, as I become vulnerable with him, as I begin to spend time with him, that's the only way this thing is going to work, okay? It's the only way that your faith is going to grow, is by spending time with God. You can try every way to try to get around it, and people do, because we always are looking through the, for the drive through window. We're looking for the microwave meal. We're looking for the fast, quick thing that's going to happen our way right away. And we don't oftentimes want to do things God's way or see things God's way. Instead, we want it when we want it, we want it now. And if it didn't work, we'll go find something else. Folks, let me tell you, we've got to stop looking at God that way because it's hurting us. We've got to slow down and say, God, show me your heart. Show me who you are. Amen? 
our faith grows, and as it grows, we should be deepening our trust in God. Second Thessalonians 1 and 3 um, is, is, a, is a scripture that talks about how we are uh, being actually commended, how the Thessalonians were being commended for growing in their faith. The, the Apostle Paul says, man, you guys are growing in your faith. You're deepening your trust with God. And in context, 2 Thessalonians 1 and 3 is actually talking about how persecution was happening at the church in Thessalonica. And there's persecution based on their faith, but he said, even though you guys are being persecuted, your faith is still growing. That intimidation factor is not going to kick you out from actually pursuing God and growing and seeing your faith strengthen because faith grows. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to grow in our faith and then it trusts. That's what faith does. Faith matters, faith grows, and faith trusts. Faith causes me to trust God and take Him at His word. Faith in what Jesus did on the cross to bring that supernatural healing in our bodies. We need to ask. We need to believe we receive when we prayed. And we need to trust God for the manifestation of that healing. And as you look at the life of Jesus and the way that he healed people and how he healed people, you can't find a formula. And that freaks us out as people because we want to control it. We want to have a formula. We want a how-to. We want to 10-step it, right? This is what i got to start off doing. This is the next step. This is the next step. And there is no formula to the way Jesus healed. And there's no rhyme or reason to his methods. Sometimes he would speak to somebody that was on the other side of the lake. And he would yell at them and they'd get healed. Go, your faith has made you whole. Sometimes he didn't have to be in the house. And it would be like the guy's boss. And Jesus would just say, he's healed. Sometimes people came and he laid hands on them. There was one time Jesus hocked up a loogie and spit on the ground and made mud pies with his spit and rubbed it in somebody's eyes. That happened. And we're looking for a method. We're looking for a rhymer. And there was, he just went, there you go. Could you imagine how weird would that be? I don't care who you are. I don't want your spit and dirt in my eyes. But the guy could see afterwards. But you know what? He also healed another blind man just by speaking to him. He healed another blind man by laying hands on him. So it wasn't even that's how you cured that specific type of ailment. It was just the way he did it. And I think that he intentionally did it that way because he knew that we would try to figure it out. And we would want to box it, market it, and sell it. And it's sad to say there are some preachers that do. For $19.95, buy my miracle water. (laughs) Come here and give me an offering and I'll heal you. Or for that that special gift. Oh, oh, I feel it right now. There's a window opening. There's a $1,000 gift out there. If, you, if, if that's you, write that $1,000 check to me and God's going to give you that miracle. And you're going to help me make my Porsche payment and my Learjet payment. <laughs> In Jesus' name, right? You, you know, this is a little side sermon real quick. You know how in the Ten Commandments, one of the Ten Commandments is not to take the name of the Lord in vain? And oftentimes we interpret that as swearing. And I don't think you should use God's name as a swear word. But I really think that what using the Lord's name in vain is using the Lord's name for personal gain. That's really what I think when I think of, when I think of using the Lord's name in vain. In other words, people want to stamp everything with God said so you can green light it or feel better about it. Pastors do that. That's why I don't go around saying God said, God said, God said. But if I do say God said then I truly believe that God said, and I don't want to just rubber stamp everything. Hey, let's go buy land. Hey, let's go build a building. God said, God said, God said. You've got to be careful about that stuff because you've got human flesh that gets in the way, right? I think that's using the name of the Lord in vain, using it for personal gain. And so when people would try to manipulate others in order to get them to give an offering so that you can get something from God because apparently the barrier between you and your miracle is their bank account. Hello, somebody. If that's the case, then I believe that's using the name of the Lord God in vain. That's just me, though. I don't know. 
Jesus used various methods, though, various timings. You know, not everybody got healed instantly that came and saw Jesus. You know that? Some people got healed later on that day. Some happened within the hour. It didn't always happen instantly. Read through the scripture, read through the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you'll see instances. They always didn't happen instantly. So he did it differently. It manifests at different times with some of the same elements. But the point is, is that it doesn't matter when it comes, how it comes, what method it comes. What matters is that he's worthy of our trust. Amen? Amen. That's the whole thing, is that it trusts and says, Jesus, I'm going to trust you. So don't put God in a box. Don't try to make God into a 10-step program. Because God is going to do things how he wants, when he wants, and through whatever method he wants. Because he's God. But we can see his heart in it, that he wants better for us than we want for ourselves. Amen? Amen. Because faith matters, faith grows, and faith trusts. As I'm wrapping up this morning, I do have a couple stories I want to share. Because I have honestly, I I went back and I thought about this. I mean, I thought really hard. Because I want to be straight with you. I want to be honest with you here. In my life, as I go back and think about the way that I grew up, I think about the things that were not right that were taught and some of the things that were. I still saw God move in some powerful ways because I still think that God will use us in spite of our ignorance. (laughs) Even when we may be living under a misbelief. You know, even though the children of Israel were wandering around in the desert for 40 years, God still provided manna for them every single day. So I see the heart of God shows me that God still takes care of us even in our ignorance and our wandering. Now manna wasn't God's best for the children of Israel. He was trying to get them to the promised land. What should have taken them a couple of months took them 40 years. Because if you look at the path they went on, if you ever saw a map and a drawing of that, that is a goofy trip. But it was because they wanted to do it their way. If they would have just trusted God and done it His way, they would have been in the promised land a lot sooner. The land that was flowing with milk and honey. The land that he had destined for them. But he didn't abandon them in their ignorance. He didn't forsake them in their ignorance. Instead, in their ignorance and in their sin, and even in some of their rebellion, he still provided for them every single day. So when I speak about stories from my past and things like that, I don't want it to have a negative connotation as you hear me share these things as your pastor because God still did some powerful things in spite of our foolishness. And I remember one of those things that God did. I had a really, really bad fever. I mean bad. I was in the bed. I was 14 years old. And I was aching, shivering. You've been there. I know. It's a terrible, terrible feeling. I hate that. But this was really serious. Like I was running 104, 105. It was bad. It was like, should we take him to the hospital or not type thing. I was feeling awful. And I knew about prayer, I knew about faith, and I knew about healing, and I knew that God was a healer, and I knew that I could trust Him, and so I began to pray, I began to ask, God, will you heal me? God, I trust in you, God, I believe in you. And then it got so bad that my mom decided to call the pastor, and he wasn't available. So the pastor's wife answered the phone. And she talked to me on the phone and she said, I'm going to have him call you. She said, but what I want you to do is I want you to just believe that when you two agree and pray together, that you're going to receive your healing. She said, I want you to believe that. She said, I want you to just trust God that when he prays for you and you guys agree together in faith, that you're going to be healed. And it was something about what she said that stirred up faith in me. Something that she said that I just believed that when he prayed for me, that I was going to be healed. And I said, okay, God, when my pastor calls me back, I really believe we're going to agree together and you're going to heal me. And that's where my faith was, 14 years old. Phone rings, I answer the phone, it's pastor, he prays for me, and we agree together, and I am not joking. As soon as I hung up the phone and said amen, sweat starts just pouring down my body, and that fever instantly broke, and I had strength after that, I was fully strong as if I'd never had that fever. And I, that's, that's one of the, the, the times that I can personally attest to experiencing the healing power of God. Now, have I had fever since then? Yeah. 
Have I not walked in healing from that? Yeah, maybe I should call the pastor back. <laughs> Have I had things that I could attribute to God? Yeah, there, there's some things that I could attribute and say, yeah, God expedited that natural process in my body. I could say that, but this was one time for sure that I know that I know that I know that it was God because it happened exactly the way that I was trusting God for it to happen. And it didn't happen that way every time. But that's one time that I can go, God healed me in that moment. And maybe the reason he healed me in that moment was so I could stand on this platform and share with you the story so he could get glory from it and so your faith could be stirred. The other instance in my life where I have experienced a supernatural healing of God, and, and, and honestly, as I went back and thought, there were only two significant things that I could remember that I could directly attribute to a supernatural expedition of the hand of God on my behalf. That was one of them. Second one was when my daughter Abigail was born. I had twin girls. Um, or my wife had twin girls. I just watched. Um, <laughs> my wife had twins. Most twins are premature. Um, if you've ever uh, had twins before, God bless you. Um, and she had the twins. Abigail was first, but Abigail was very sick. And Leah, the second twin, they were five minutes apart, the second twin, she uh, was perfectly healthy, normal. Everything was great. Three days go by, um, and we're in the hospital, and they said, we think she's okay, so they sent us home. And then as we're changing her diaper, she turns gray. And we're about 15 minutes from the hospital. And Holly said, look at her color, Derek. And I said, Holly, I said, she's gray. I said, get in the car now. We didn't even put her in a car seat. Holly sat in the back holding our three-day-old daughter as I was racing, driving. I don't even want to tell you how fast because I know there's some police officer friends here. (laughs) I don't even want to tell you how fast I was driving to get to the hospital. Um, And we pulled up, and she was so tiny and so premature, they didn't even have an oxygen mask to put on her that fit her. So they took a little styrofoam cup, and they poked a hole in it and put it over her face. And my wife had to hold the little styrofoam cup over her mouth. We ended up being metaflighted to Children's Hospital in Little Rock because we lived in Arkansas at the time. And we stayed there for a couple of months, and they didn't know if she was going to live or die. They would tell me, she's not out of the woods yet. She's not out of the woods yet. Well, come to find out, she had sepsis, she had pneumonia, and she had um, meningitis. There's two different strains of meningitis. There's one that's not as aggressive, and there's one that's super aggressive. We were praying and believing that she wouldn't have the super aggressive kind. Well, guess what? Report came back. She did. She had the super aggressive kind. And the doctor came to us and said, with the CT scans that we've done and everything that we see, she has severe brain damage. She's not going to be able to walk. She's not going to be able to talk. She won't be able to look you in the eye and make eye contact. She won't even understand what that means. He said, we're going to go ahead and set you up with some help for you to learn how to live with a child that's going to have severe disabilities. We said, okay. And there's something in me at that moment, and I believe it was the Holy Spirit gift of faith. If you read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and it talks about all of the nine different variations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which there's more than that, but it focuses on nine there when the Apostle Paul was teaching. One of those gifts that he talks about is that there's a gift of faith. I always wondered what that meant. <laughs> Who has a gift of faith? I don't understand what that means. I mean, but at the same time, I believe I experienced that. I believe the Holy Spirit rose up in me in that moment with the gift of faith. And there was something in me that said, no, we're going to trust God because I know that God is going to heal this little girl. I know he's going to do it. I had no doubt in my mind. And, and everything else was pointing to, yeah, there's going to be severe problems here. And I know that there are parents who probably prayed and probably didn't receive the miracle or didn't see that miracle happened. But I knew that God was going to do this. I, you, you, you couldn't have convinced me otherwise. And it wasn't me being foolish. It wasn't me being arrogant. It was that confidence that I was talking about in Hebrews chapter 11. It wasn't hoping things worked out. It was, I just knew. God put something in me, and I, I have to attribute it to God because it's nothing from me, because it's not because I'm special. Believe me. I believe it was directly from God. that He said, no, it's going to be fine. And I kept saying this over and over, all is well. All is well. Everybody kept praying for a good doctor's report. But every time we prayed for a good doctor's report, the doctor's report would come back bad. 
Have you ever had that happen? That's the worst. So I told him, I said, guess what, guys? We're not going to pray for a good doctor's report anymore. You know why? Because I believe God is going to do something the doctors can't do. And so every time the doctor's report would come in negative, I was putting my faith in the doctor, and the doctor was good. It's not a bad doctor. God gives us doctors and nurses and medicine. Thank God for those things. I'm not, I'm not saying those things are, are, are wicked or bad. I'm just saying there was something in me that was relentless. And so they sent us home after three months, and she stabilized, normalized, got all of the infections cleared out. Everything was fine. Everything was healthy except for the fact that now we're going to just have to watch her development, see how she develops, see what happens. And he said there's a, a spot on her brain, and he showed us the brain scan and all the stuff the neurologist did. And he said, you see that spot there and see all this damage and all this stuff? He said, I want you to come in every six months, and we're going to get a new scan and follow this. And he said, we're going to do it for three years and see what happens. So we said, okay. So six months... The damage is still there. He's showing us all this stuff. Year later, year and a half, it's still there. It's, it's kind of starting to maybe decrease a little bit in shape, but it, there's just still some things there. She was a late walker. We were wondering if she was ever going to walk, but we noticed that all of the difficulties that they said she was going to have, she wasn't having. And then one day she stands up and she walks, and she can look us in the eye. She could talk and all those wonderful things. And three years go by, and we're at our final scan and the doctor says, I don't know what happened. He said, but her brain has completely reshaped and reformed around all of that damage on this final brain scan that we had. He said, the blood that was on the brain has completely gone. He said, there's no evidence of it anymore. He said, her brain is just completely healed. He said, I, he said, I don't know if you believe in miracles. He said, but she has truly... I said, well, kind of, yeah, it's kind of... I'm kind of in the business, you know. <laughs> um, company man and all, you know. <laughs> but but I, uh, I said, yeah. And we walked out of that hospital that day with the picture of the scan. And I looked at my wife as soon as we got outside. And I said, you know, I said, this is a great opportunity to thank God and praise God, and we should. I said, but, I said, I was thanking God because I knew he was going to do this three years ago. You see what I'm saying? And, and, and I had confidence because I believed and I knew there was just that gift of faith. Now, I didn't see it for three years. And you'll see my daughter run around church. She's perfectly normal. She's doing well in school. Matter of fact, she's, on, she's, she's only nine years old and she's like on a crazy like, like eighth grade like comprehension level and like, like I think a... a, a, a grammar or, or, or English or something. I don't know. Whatever it is. She's, she's doing really well in one of her subjects. <laughs> Struggling a little bit with math, but, but that's okay. It's not, it's not abnormal. But um, yeah, you know, uh, and it's just a miracle. And it's a great testimony. And those are two instances in my life that I can directly point back to and say God intervened supernaturally beyond what was available naturally. Yes. Now there's times also that we've prayed and believed for things and we didn't see the hand of God move. Now, why does that happen? We're going to talk about that next week because I have prayed and I have believed but I've not seen supernatural expedition of healing in my body or in other situations. But regardless, my point today is, without getting into my sermon for next week, because much as you guys love to hear me preach, God is still worthy of our trust is what I'm trying to get across to you today. And that faith does play a role in our healing. You just can't get away from it. I can show you in Scripture. I can show you from my own personal experience. You just you can't get away from it. There is a role. Now, let me be clear. If condemnation comes to you as a result of not experiencing a healing, that's not from God. Because Romans 8 and 1 says, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The law of spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. God does not make you feel like you are a failure. Oh, I thought somebody would amen on that. God's job is not to make you feel like a failure. He doesn't come and go, oh, well, if you would have just had more faith, you bozo, you moron. 
Well, you're experiencing that because you didn't do what the pastor said. I mean, apparently he was awesome. He, like, sweated and everything when he was 14. <laughs> you got a fever. What's your problem? That's what the enemy does because the enemy is called the accuser of the brethren. That's what he does. He accuses you. He wants to condemn you. He wants to make you feel like a failure. And let me tell you, those are two times that I can directly attribute to God, but there's a lot of other stories that I can say, you know, I just kind of got better. And I didn't see that supernatural expedition of healing. I can share those stories with you too. All right? So not every single time did God do everything the same way. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? I'm trying to set you free because so many people, especially people that grew up in the church... And they believe in the gift of healing. When they haven't experienced it, they feel like a failure. And that's garbage. And if some pastor or minister has made you feel shameful and condemned as a result of something happening or not happening in your life because of some failure on your part, I'm here to set you free today. (laughs) Don't live under the weight and the guilt of that stuff because it's a trick, it's a trap, and it'll keep you mad at God. And it'll burn bridges of trust. And it'll hurt you. And the enemy will use it as a stumbling block in your life. So I'm here to tell you that whether we see that thing manifest here or whether it's appointed for us to die and get upgraded, God's still worthy of our trust. Amen? Amen? Whether we see our bodies naturally heal as a result of His creation to heal us naturally and our bodies to heal naturally, and it happens during that process of time, wonderful. If it happens in an instant, wonderful. He's still worthy of our trust. Amen? Amen. And He still wants us to petition Him because He's worthy of our trust. So here's the thing. When things don't happen on this earth like we want, Jesus still paid for our healing even if we don't experience the complete fulfillment of what Jesus paid for. So why are some people experiencing healing, some people don't? Why have the same people experienced healing sometimes and not other times? Well, we're going to go through this very, very controversial topic next week from a biblical view, as best that we can see. We're going to do the best job that we can with what we have available to us. Because when I look at Scripture, sometimes there are reasons that people don't receive things from the Lord. There are pretty black and white reasons, but then there's some things that aren't quite as black and white. We're going to talk about that next week, but Jesus still paid for us to walk in health and be made whole in his presence forever. So I want you to continue to grow in faith by hearing the word, by investing in one-on-one time with God to know him more, because that's going to build and deepen and solidify that trust, because he's worthy of our trust. Amen? Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.